Father, we are so grateful for your presence here this morning. We are so grateful for this time that we can come together and celebrate who you are and who we are because of you. We are so grateful for the work that you're doing in our lives and the promise that you have continued to complete that work. And we're asking that uh, today, as we continue in this service, that that would be a part of the process of you completing your work in us. Do what needs to be done in us, Father, to prepare us for Holy Week as we remember the most significant event in history. Um, Shape us this week. Don't let us forget. Don't let us be distracted by our society who has decided that it's not a day worth remembering here anymore and so many now don't even have Friday off and in, in other cases it's been replaced with Earth Day and Father, here's our, here's our society that so desperately needs the truth again. So help us, Lord, to be that, to be messengers, ambassadors of the message that you have given us, to be bold and courageous, to be completely dependent on you and your spirit to fill us and prepare us and equip us for every opportunity that we have to be light and salt in this world. We ask that you would take this service, this message, and do that work in us. Prepare us even further. Give us your vision, your burden, and help us to carry it out obediently. We commit this time and ourselves to you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over the last two weeks, we've been working through a sermon series called Sheep Without a Shepherd. In the first Sunday, we spent some time in Matthew chapter 9, in the beginning of chapter 10, where Matthew records that Jesus looked upon the crowds after having traveled from town to town, preaching, teaching, healing, and casting out demons. And when he considered the condition of the people, he was filled with compassion for them because he saw them as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He gave us a picture of how we ought to view the world around us as well. He also gave us a challenge, a calling. Jesus called his disciples to himself and sent them out to do something about what they saw. He restated that calling at the end of his time here on this earth. He told his disciples to go and make disciples, both near and far. And that calling, that mission is ours. It was not intended for just those who lived in Jesus' time nor is it intended for just those who have chosen to make disciples as a career path. That calling's for every one of us who have put our trust in Jesus and have been restored as his sheep. Our mission field is all around us. And then last week we looked at the reality that our lives matter to God and to his mission. The calling that Christ spoke for us is a very personal calling. It's a calling that's very personal for us, for God, and for those to whom God is calling us. The impact that Jesus calls us to have is also a powerful impact, and I think we are all grateful that the power that we have to carry out that impact is the power of none other than the Spirit of Christ who dwells in us. He promised to even give us the words to say when we're led to speak. And we looked at how pleasing our impact is to God. God desires to see his sheep come home and join in the reunion at the end of time. And all the glory that comes as a result of lost sheep being found is God's glory. Last week, we also stated the mission of Chapel Hill Church, which is to guide people into a flourishing, contagious relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And since then, we as an elders board have made further progress in identifying our vision and our priorities for the years to come, and you'll hear much more about that soon. And so this series has had a purpose. Our desire as the leadership of this church family is to see us bring back into balance the impact that each one of us has for God's glory and for his kingdom. We continue to shake our heads in amazement over what God is doing here. And we want to ensure that the things that we're putting our efforts and resources into as a church family are in alignment with the mission that Christ gave us to carry out as a church. We will always be about the business of leading people into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see people flourish in their relationship with Christ, no matter what circumstances they're facing. We want to see people's relationships with Christ flourish to the point that those relationships are contagious and lost sheep are finding their shepherd because they see and hear things in the lives of the sheep of God's pasture, the people of Chapel Hill Church, that point them to their shepherd. So it is essential in this process that every one of us recognizes our identity as influential sheep, sheep that lead. And that's what I want us to consider this morning. What does our identity as God's sheep look like when we all know that sheep don't lead, they follow? So how can I entitle a sermon, A Sheep That Leads? Or as someone pointed out to me earlier, Leadership. If there is such a thing as a sheep that leads, what does, she, what does that sheep's life look like? Well, we'll look at three characteristics of a leading sheep's life. But before we do that, let's remind ourselves of why we need to talk about this subject. And that takes us back to the beginning of the first sermon in this series. All around us are sheep without a shepherd, lost sheep, harassed and helpless sheep, And the desire of the great shepherd is to see his lost sheep come home to their shepherd and be restored. This desire was not only expressed through Jesus Christ, it was also expressed long before that through the prophets. Listen to the words God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 50, verse 6. It said, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over mountain and hill and forgot their own resting place. And then through another prophet named Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 34, verses 5 and 6, it says, So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Through the prophets and then through Jesus, through the words of the authors that he used to bring us the scriptures, today through the Holy Spirit of Christ, God has been communicating his desire for restoration throughout time since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. He wants to see his lost sheep come home and we cannot ignore that voice. His desire should be our desire. And what a privilege it is to acknowledge that God has chosen you and me to accomplish his desire life by life if we will be obedient to his call. But again, how does a sheep lead when a good sheep is a good follower? Well, the answer to this question ought to put us at ease regarding our role. We are not called to be the shepherds of the lost sheep. 
We are called to guide those lost sheep to their shepherd with our very lives. Actions and words as role models and friends, serving and preaching, loving and teaching, our lives in whatever form God ordains are to point people to Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Picture in your mind a flock of sheep who have lost their shepherd. They're wandering in search of the one who will provide, protect, and restore. And there they are, the lost flock, and the shepherd is nearby. And he calls out to his sheep. And one sheep in the flock hears the shepherd's voice and recognizes it. Jesus said that his sheep know his voice. And so that one sheep heads towards the sound of his shepherd's voice, and he he finds what he's been missing. He's reunited with his shepherd. And the other sheep cannot yet see their shepherd, but they do see something in that one found sheep that draws them, and they move towards that one sheep. Do they rejoice when they reach that one found sheep? No. They're not home yet. But the closer they get to that one found sheep, the closer they get to finding their shepherd. They see something in the life of that one sheep that gives them hope that their shepherd is nearby. What is that something? What is it about the life of a found sheep that draws lost sheep closer to their shepherd? Well, there are many things that can accomplish this, but this morning we're going to look at three characteristics of the life of a found sheep that are strong indicators that the great shepherd is nearby. And the first characteristic of a found sheep's life that's noticeable is that it is a life of submission. I honestly believe that this world, especially the society that we live in here, is longing to know that there is something bigger than all of us that we were made to submit to. We're looking for that something, that someone bigger than us, But no matter how high up the authority ladder we look, the leaders of this world will let us down. And the debate rages on over which one of these imperfect, flawed human beings we're going to pledge our allegiance to. And without fail, these leaders let somebody down. Deep within mankind lies the need to submit to someone. We know that we are not perfect, and we have wired in us the need to experience someone who is perfect And the only someone that can actually fulfill that need is God himself. I'd argue that the greatest leaders of all time have been the ones who have submitted themselves to something bigger than themselves. A cause, a value, a nation. How much greater then is a leader who submits himself to the greatest leader of all, to Jesus Christ? The world needs to see people who are anchored to something perfectly secure, committed to something that will not fail, and following someone who will not lead them astray. Because the world needs, whether they will admit it or not, to find that perfect something or someone. That longing is real and it exists in every one of us, whether we accept it or deny it. Why is it there? It's there because we are all created in the image of the one who is perfect in in every way. And we long to have that image restored in us as well. We long to connect with that one in whose image we were created. That is at the very core of who we are. We, the people of God's flock, the sheep of his pasture, have found that someone, and his name is Jesus Christ. When we make the smartest decision of our lives, which is to follow Jesus, we choose to submit, to surrender our lives to him and his will. 
We pledge our allegiance to him above all else. We declare that he alone is worth submitting to, and we determine that because, because of his worthiness, we will make him Lord over every dimension of our lives. And this is exactly what he asks of us. That submission is God's design for our lives. And this is most simply stated in James chapter 4, verse 7, where James writes, Submit yourselves then to God. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author is writing about God's discipline in our lives and says this in chapter 12, verse 9. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? And this verse acknowledges that inner desire to submit that exists in all of us. We are to submit to God's direction and his discipline in our lives. And we are to submit every part of our lives to him. Paul writes this in Romans 6, verse 13. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And notice how in the last two passages we looked at, they included the result, the blessing that comes with this kind of surrender, this kind of submission. It's life. Life comes to those who surrender, and the lost sheep of this world are looking for life. In our surrender to Christ and how it's demonstrated in our lives, we're pointing the world around us to the source of life. How powerful is that? And of course, there's the model that Jesus lived for us. And on Friday, we're going to gather together to remember the agony that Christ experienced on our behalf and the sacrifice that he made on that horrible, beautiful day. And I hope that every one of you can be here or at least be somewhere where this is being remembered. That night before he was led away to be crucified, Jesus was faced with the ultimate test of submission there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was coming. He knew he'd have to suffer like no one has ever had to or ever will have to suffer. And the weight of what was coming pressed on him in a way that would crush any one of us. He could have walked away from his mission at that point. He could have walked away at any point. He could have called down legions of angels to destroy those who were trying to destroy him. But he didn't. He didn't. He admitted to his father that the weight on him was heavy. But then he submitted himself again to the one who was even greater than he was. And he said, yet not as I will, but as you will. Your will, Father, be done in my life strength of our submission to God and his will is powerfully attractive to the lost sheep of this world. A life of submission to something greater than us is a life that draws attention and points others to the one to whom we're submitted, the one in whose image they, the lost sheep, are created. So may the model of Jesus Christ and his submission to the will of his Father be an inspiration and source of strength to every one of us as we willingly submit ourselves to him and humbly allow our lives to point others to their shepherd. The life of a sheep that leads is a life of submission. That life is also a life of reflection. An integral component of our impact on this world is the degree to which we we reflect the character of the one who lives in and through us, the spirit of Jesus Christ. You want to know what I like most about each one of you guys? It's the spirit of Christ and how that spirit reflects Christ's character to me and to those around you. 
Sheep that lead reflect the image of Jesus Christ to those that they interact with. The character of Christ reflected in your life draws me closer to the source of that reflection, to Jesus himself. And it draws others as well. Lost sheep. Absolutely some of the most satisfying moments in my life have been when lost sheep have asked me what it is that's different about me because they've seen something different in me. And I've been able to explain to them that I'm different because I'm cooler than other people. (laughs) Because I'm more compassionate than other people. Because I'm more interesting than other people. Because I'm Canadian, so of course I'm more attractive than other people. (laughs) Now those are the moments that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Those are the moments that we ought to be praying for daily. When the character of Christ is demonstrated in our lives, lost sheep come closer to finding their shepherd. Those without hope discover that there may still be a chance to find hope in their lives. And people that have reached the point which so many have of hating themselves discover that there may yet be a chance to see something lovable in themselves again. People want to know that their lives can have a positive impact on the world. They want to know, just like we do, that there's something in their character that will make people around them stop and admire. Knowing that that is possible can lift a person out of self-loathing and depression into a place of confidence and contentment. And you and I, as those in whom Christ's character is demonstrated, have been given the awesome task of guiding lost sheep to the source of that character. We're using the word flourishing in our mission statement as a church. Our goal as a church is to see each one of us flourishing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are many, many benefits to us when this takes place. But it goes beyond just the benefits to us. The growth of our character as Christ lives through us can have just as big an impact on others as it has on us. That growth, that flourishing is the process of transformation that's taking place in us. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) And if we look at ourselves in the context of a plant that Jesus used so many times, we see an end result of that process. The end result of a plant's life is to reproduce And that's the end result of this transformation process that's taking place in us. The word refers to this as bearing fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit's work in us is what? Look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23 for the answer to that question. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If these fruits are being produced in our lives, won't that be noticeable to the lost sheep in our world. It will. If a hungry man's walking a path in the woods and he comes across an apple on that path, will he not look for the branch from which that apple fell? Of course he will. When he finds that branch, he'll find the tree from which that branch draws its life. Jesus said that we are the branches and he is the vine, the life-giving source of the fruit that's produced in our lives. Not just for us to enjoy, but for the world to see and be drawn to. Our lives bear the fruit of Christ's transforming work. That's flourishing. So here's the challenge to all of us. This process of fruit-bearing transformation in our lives is of great importance in the kingdom of God. So how important is it? 
to you and to me? How much do we invest in seeing that transforming work taking place every single day? How much effort do we spend deepening our connection to the vine so that the life-giving sap can flow freely? What is it in our lives that's keeping this from happening? Is there anything that we're doing that is really that much more important than being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ? How much of our lives is spent abiding in Christ so that this can happen? The reflection of Christ's character in our lives has got to be given the priority that it deserves. We are his disciples first. Being fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, employees and students, Americans and suburbanites all come somewhere later on in the description of our identity. The best thing about us is Christ in us. And our lives must be, first and foremost, lives of reflection. Finally, the life of a sheep that leads is a life of intention. Let me define that word, intention. Intention is a course of action that one intends to follow. It is the state of having a purpose in mind. What is your purpose? What are you living for? Is your purpose in life to provide comfort and security for yourself and your family? That's the American dream, isn't it? And haven't we as Christ's bride committed ourselves to this dream as well, but just added the tradition of church to the dream? Why is it that our lives are not so contagious that the lost sheep are flooding to the churches in this country to join us in living out our purpose? I have to think that lost sheep are not packing our churches every Sunday because they really don't see that our lives have any higher or more significant purpose than theirs do. Can a lost sheep see a life of intention in a sheep that's been found? Well, I'll jump straight to the challenge on this one. What does the nicely framed plaque on our kitchen walls say? Does it say, as for me and my house, we will live comfortably and securely? Or does it say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? And if it does state that we will serve the Lord, what is it besides busyness and the pursuit of happiness that is keeping us from doing just that? Jesus didn't leave us wondering what it is he wants us to do. He told us to go and make disciples, to feed his sheep, to give a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick and those in prison, to bind up the wounded, to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, to care for orphans and widows, to feed the hungry, to minister to the brokenhearted, to declare the day of the Lord, to release those in bondage, to stand up for justice, to fight for the powerless. He told us to love one another, to build one another up, to forgive one another, to sharpen one another, to encourage one another. He told us to work diligently, to give cheerfully, to serve humbly, to pray without ceasing, to share boldly, to act justly, and to love mercy. And those lost sheep created in the image of God were created to live out a purpose in their lives just like we were. What they're missing is a model 
an example of a life that is lived with intention, with a purpose other than the American dream. Every one of us ought to be able to talk to our neighbors about more than just the latest digital whatever or our most recent home remodeling project. We ought to be able to share with great excitement about the purpose that God has given us and how we've been involved in and committed to that purpose. Our lives were designed to create buzz because we serve a God of purpose, a God of mission. And if we slow down for a minute to examine why it is that we feel we really don't have anything to offer those around us, we need to ask ourselves why. And we're going to realize it's nobody's fault but our own. We as Christ's followers are lights in this dark world. We are leaders among sheep. We are the ones that have found what we're looking for and the ones whose hearts have been filled with purpose and meaning. And that purpose displays to the world something that they're looking for themselves. How dare we not live lives of intention? when Jesus Christ has given us all the direction we need to be living out his purposes every day and when he desires to use our lives to draw people to himself. Brothers and sisters, this world is looking for examples of lives that model submission, reflection, and intention to be signs along this road that we call life that will point them home And by God's power, it is not difficult to be those signs. Will we submit to the will of our Father? Will we surrender to God's transforming work so that we can better reflect the character of Christ? Will we live out the purpose, the intent that Christ has for our lives? Lost sheep are depending on us to do just that. This is a very different kind of leadership, especially in our culture. Submission, reflection, and intention are not usually among the first words mentioned in discussions on leadership here. We've become a culture that looks for very different characteristics to show up at the top of our list in the search for true leadership. We're looking for people of power, status, influence, authority, education, We're looking for someone to rule. We're looking for kings. Which is exactly what the people of Israel were looking for in their Messiah. When they welcomed him to Jerusalem on that day that we refer to as Palm Sunday. They were looking for a leader that would overthrow, that would bring change and restore rule. He spread palm branches and their cloaks on the road as he passed by, riding on a donkey. Listen to the familiar story again. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a cold tide there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. 
those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. People thought their king had arrived. Well, he had, but he was not like what they were looking for. He was the king, and he would change the world forever. People throughout history have been faced with the decision of whether or not they're going to follow this king. Our role in all this, point lost sheep to their shepherd, to their king. Is our role to give them what they're looking for? No. If we attempt to give them what they think they want in a leader, they will always be failed by us. Our role is to give them Jesus Christ. And in lives that are characterized by submission, reflection, and intention, we can do just that. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He is alive and well in us. And he wants to use our lives to point his lost sheep to their shepherd. May his will be done in our lives.